Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. James Portnow is a video game developer and writer for the Extra Credits YouTube series about the role of games in society. We interviewed him previously about the role of games in society and his own personal struggle with video game addiction. And I've invited him back on the show to talk about how parents should deal with computer games, especially if they aren't gamers themselves. Uh, James, I think he's up to about 300 episodes now of Extra Credits. I really, really highly recommend the series. Uh, and, and I'm uh, not at all into my online games, but I've learned so much from these, including the one that's on our webpage today. Uh, it's, this is uh, Extra Credits, not a babysitter. Why parents should play games with their children. James, welcome back. Thanks again for your time. Thank you for having me, and thank you for that lovely intro. That's uh, the uh, the headline to the latest Extra Credits Episode probably says it all. Not a babysitter, and this is this is what your messages right throughout this particular um, um, this particular episode, isn't it? It's really no different from TV, from um, you know the old DVD player, from uh, any or even for plonking a book in front of a child. Uh, it's it's not meant to be a babysitter. It's not meant to be a place to park up for, for long periods of time. Although short periods are okay for a parent's own sanity. It is ultimately, hopefully, about interaction and a really good, healthy way of building a relationship between parent and child. Right, absolutely. And I'm glad you threw that episode up because uh, I think that's the main thing that is important for under parents to understand is that uh, just like any other medium, right, whether it be television, film, what have you, uh, games can be very beneficial for a child and it can be a great way of bonding, but only if you participate or at least are there with the child while they're doing this activity. And the main hurdle that I always see is parents saying, well, I don't play games, so I can't participate in this with my child. But I find that to be uh, generally false because if nothing else, the child will actually get a huge amount just by the parent asking questions about the game, right? Um, having to explain, having to teach someone else something is very often uh, an excellent way to examine it, an excellent way to learn. As you say, it's and again, this is part of the of this particular episode. You, you coach your kid with sport. You talk about tra- strategies with sport, or even if you're not a coach, you might say, "How did the game go?" You know, tell me a bit about 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 what happened. It occurs to me though, that our timing couldn't be much better with what's going on with Pokemon at the moment, because I'm sure that's brought a lot of parents who normally would probably not ever have a lot to do with their, with their kids' um, games. Everyone's out wandering around town with their phones at the moment. Uh, it's been a phenomenon, and it is an it's an example of it. Um, up front, isn't it? Well, and, and it's a great example because not only are the there the obvious benefits of getting to sort of go out, do exercise with your kid, but all the polka stops in that are are locations in your hometown, or if you're traveling, uh, whatever city you're at, and you've got this great moment to have sort of a tangential learning experience where the kid goes up and 
uh, finds a Pokestop of a statue or uh, so, like the other day I was walking with my nephews. I live in Seattle, Washington, and there's a statue of the Native American chief, Chief Self, who uh, sort of gave the section over but worked with the initial European settlers to establish Seattle and a great poem that he wrote about what he saw as the future of this area. And I got to talk to them about it, right? They had never in their lives really even noticed that statue, even though they passed by it all the time. Um, it wasn't something that had really registered to them. And by playing this game and playing it with them, as we're going for this walk, we could talk about historic parts of, our, of the city we live in because it drew their attention to it, right? So it doesn't always have to even be about the game itself, but rather the ideas and the things that the game brings up. And then you don't have to be the expert at the game. I mean, you probably want to have half an eye on the game. Although another delightful part of the of the um, another delightful part of the video is where it's the parent, you know, who goes and buys the game, and they're being told by someone in the shop, "Look, this really isn't suitable for your kids." You know, <laughs> uh, it does pay to have some idea of the content of the games, and more about that in, in a moment. But your point is, you don't have to be the expert at the game. You might be playing um, some multi-level, um, you know, complicated strategy game that, that y y your kid might be. You don't have to know how to do it, but there will be things that emerge from it that you can talk about in, you know, in real life, as they say, IRL, you know, uh, whether it's history or politics or something else. It's that it's that entry point into your child's world that allows you to share something. Exactly. I mean, whether it be uh, them playing Call of Duty and you talking about the nature of modern war or the conflicts that are going on, on in the globe, right, whether they're playing civilization and you talk about different forms of, of governance, right, whether it be them uh, playing something like EVE Online and you guys talking about uh, the stock market and how economies work. There's all sorts of different entry points that you're absolutely correct. You don't need to be an expert on the game to understand that that's what the game is talking about. And to be able to have that conversation with a child in a way that they're excited about, where it doesn't feel like, oh, mom, why do I, why are we talking about this boring stuff? But instead where it feels like, great, we're talking about my game. We're going back and forth about this. This is the way I can connect with my parent. And like this gives me insights into the thing I'm already excited about, right? And so that's that's a powerful thing. And so uh, to just all the parents out there, I I would highly say don't don't let it frighten you if you don't know how to play the game because just sitting there with the child and talking about it, you'll see plenty that you guys have to talk about. You're going to have to do some convincing on uh, one or two of these games uh, and you do it again in the video, Grand Theft Auto 4. Okay, now tell me how that can become a positive educational civic experience because you actually sort of do it in the video. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things. First off, uh, the Grand Theft Auto series gets, gets beat on a lot because there's a lot of negative messages that you can clearly take from it, right? And this is exactly why we don't, sit the child in front of it as a babysitter. I will absolutely agree that if you, if you just leave a child un, uh, if you, if you leave a child in front of that game and leave the game unexamined, it can possibly be negative for them. But if you start talking to them about everything from sort of the civic nature of our society to, uh, there's a whole ton about being an immigrant in America, about, uh, sort of the monetary class divide, right, about what it means to be in a society with the sort of income inequality that we currently face. Uh, there's all these ideas of uh, sort of this this balance between 
law and order and freedom, right? And so there's all these things that you can touch on. And then on the flip side, uh, if you if you want to go look at some of the most subversive things you can do in that game, in Grand Theft Auto, the single most subversive thing you can do is be a law-abiding, law-abiding citizen driving a fire truck or an ambulance and going helping people. And it's great. You can show them that that is also a possibility within the game, right? Um, it's also so one of the lo- mo- it's also one of the most challenging strategic things to attempt to attempt to do, isn't it? It absolutely is. Actually, it's one of the better challenges in that game. Uh, but so yeah, there's all sorts of other things that we can explore if we work with our children to dig past whatever is just the complete surface action level of the game. Call of Duty is another that people have issues with in inverted commas. And I mean, obviously some of these are sort of game or maturity specific anyway, and you should certainly be engaged with, with, what, you're, with what your kid's doing online as with anything else. But I mean, again, with Call of Duty, how would you turn that into uh, an interaction that might have some value that you want to see your kid get a grip of? Uh, so... I'm going to talk about Modern Warfare, the first the first Modern Warfare, because I was working at Activision during the Modern Warfare period. And uh, truth is, there's actually a lot there, right? Uh, there's a scene in the first Modern Warfare where you're piloting an AC-130, one of these big uh, flying gunships, right? And you're looking down through this this television screen where everything's just black and white dots, right? Human beings are, are heat signatures. So they're white dots and that's all you see. And you get this sense of the remote horror of modern war because they can't hurt you. They can't do anything to you. Right. And here you are taking them out from this eye in the sky. And meanwhile, the pilot saying stuff like, ah, one for the kill reel. Right. And it's meant to evoke this sense of that remote mechanistic horror of that idea that, uh, We've removed humanity from 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 killing, right? From this, and it's it's supposed to evoke those questions. And there's a lot in these games that, while on the surface may seem very jingoistic and very um, very uh, pro-military, there's a lot in there that both uh, asks you to question what's going on and to question the reasons that these people are fighting in the first place because while it doesn't, I think, denigrate the heroic struggles of the people, in fact, I think it celebrates the heroic struggles of the individual servicemen and women, very often those games do ask you, but why are they doing this in the first place? Why are these people, why do these people have to fight in some country where uh, they have no stake, where they don't know why they're fighting and the people they're fighting against uh, are in this exact same position, right? And so there's a lot you can bring up and talk about about the modern geopolitical scape. Okay. When like, not all games the same on that uh, front, and we know I've talked to you previously about the Skinner Box mobile games, right? That are basically, yeah. you know, um, can lead towards addiction. And, and, and look, you've been there. You, you're not a, an open slither, um, you know, eyes uh, wide shut kind of a- advocate here. This is stuff that, you, and this is actually your point. You need to get informed. You need to do some reading, even if the games themselves aren't your thing. You need to get informed uh, yourself as, as a parent and, and get a, a grip on the differences between the games as you do anything they're viewing. I mean, I, I can't remember if it was you. I was talking to James recently about watching Disney Channel uh, with some uh, kids are important to me and I could not believe the politics. <laughs> this, mm-hmm. 
and these and this kids this little kids kind of programming i just could not but honestly you could write a university thesis on it it was so loaded you know and it's disney channel um look just back on that point because you know i suppose we we, we so often want to protect and we can't really protect kids from there's a limit to how much we can protect them from what's going on in our world we're all so totally linked up and so totally involved now um through uh, through our online worlds uh, with every conflict and, and every terrible thing that, that's happening in the world. So again, as a means of being able to discuss that and put that in context and have conversations about how kids are receiving that, the games can do that. Interesting, I've just had this um, emailer say, even now, some 25 years later, when I ask one of my three sons how they know something, they will often answer with, it was in Civilization." Just tell us a bit more about that game. Oh, Civilization is great uh, because Civilization is a game where basically... The title says it all, right? You start as as a single group of basically Neolithic settlers. You found a city and you follow the course of that civilization all the way through, if you're lucky, the space age, right? And it's one of those games that on a lot of fronts makes you consider many different many different aspects of uh, sort of the human experience, both our political experience, but also on a on a much more granular level, every time you research a new technology, uh, it a, they will read to you a famous quote about that that's that's tangentially related. And there's so much. I mean, there were books that I've picked up. There's literature that I've been exposed to through that context, right? Through these great quotes that they would give you every time that you discovered something new or created a wonder of the world. Um, it's also a game that will teach you about some of the great achievements of the various major civilizations. And on a purely mechanical level, it's a very deep strategy game, right? It makes you think and rethink uh, how you're going to approach many of these problems from feeding a civilization to balancing defense and, and taxation, right? All these things that we have to do. And so many of the questions that come up, it's not a perfect analog by any means, but a lot of the questions that come up and a lot of the sort of course of history uh, and the questions that come up in the geopolitical questions that come up in the course of history are well addressed um, by by taking a couple of runs through civilization. What is the difference between a good game that will challenge and build skills, strategy, will support your child's learning versus those that you are less enamored with? And how does someone get a sense of which is which? I mean, obviously, we know that there are games that are, that are violent, that are misogynistic. There might be others that, as we said, are Skinner Box models, which are all about just trying to, you know get someone to play as much as possible, including too much. How can people get informed about this and what should they be looking for? So to me, uh, I will be the last person to defend every game, right? I think like television, like film, like any artistic medium, like books or like painting, uh, there's a lot of things which don't have a great deal of artistic merit out there, but there is also some subset that will that will move you, that will change your life, that will explore the human experience in some way that it will be truly meaningful to you. Uh, and so for that, for parents, hopefully, if this is something your kid child is very into, uh, you can simply 
spend a little bit of time every day engaging in sort of the same sort of media that they may check out. So things like there's a site Kotaku, which just goes through and it's a blog. It's not the best, but in 10 minutes of reading a day, you'll be sort of hip with the kids, right? Uh, for me, I would say that the simplest way is just to look at Metacritic or one of the other aggregator sites. Metacritic takes all the review scores for everything and sort of compiles them. And you're looking for anything that got an 85 or above. And then just watch some trailers, right? Once you find something that's, that looks like it's solid, uh, watch, watch two or three 10 minute clips of it. And you'll know enough about whether or not this has has the values that you're looking for. Also, of course, as you've said, you can try and ban certain games, but the difficulties is that you know you don't know what someone's doing somewhere else uh, with, with their mates. And as it is with any online activity, it's what about keeping the communication open, making them aware, and giving them a place to go or a way to say if uh, there's abuse happening in, in games. Uh, or if it's just somewhere they shouldn't be. Again, it's about opening that line of, of, of communication. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the we have seen historically, no matter what it is, that banning something does not make it less attractive to children and teenagers. Um, and so we're much better off with saying, with having that communication and saying, look, this is why... The, this is why this game is better, right? You, it's so much better to spend your money on Spec Ops The Line than it is on Hatred, right? Um, and so I, I'm 100% in agreement that rather than banning, having that dialogue and having being a little bit informed about it as a parent is far more valuable. Are there any recommendations you have of good games for, for kids of different ages that really do uh, tick all the boxes for some of the things we've been talking about? Sure. Uh, since I just mentioned it, I would definitely say Spec Ops The Line. If you're looking for a first-person shooter, that says something more, right? If your kid's really into Call of Duty, Medal of Honor, these sort of things, and it just feels like they're just shooting things all the time, Spec Ops The Line really pulls the rug out from under that, and it uses the same mechanical form uh, to consider what it means to be pu putting... Uh, to be pointing that reticle at somebody, right? To putting a rifle to your shoulder and pointing it at another human being. So that's one I'd highly recommend. Uh, again, in that vein, Bioshock is another one I recommend. Uh, it is a, it's a little bit older now, but it's the best examination of uh, the sort of a philosophy of Ayn Rand. In, a, in one of the more neutral contexts that I've seen, but it's excellently done, right? And it's a first-person shooter. Uh, Portal also is another great one. Puzzle game that will really get to me thinking. Hilarious. A lot of fun. I mean, if you're uh, wanting to interact with a kid, it's one where you can sit back and make suggestions on how to solve the puzzle, even if you can't actually do the mechanical movements yourself. Uh, Which is another one of your points, actually. And we, we must just touch on this. Sorry, I'll, I'll come back and let you finish. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. We must just touch, touch on game etiquette, right? Because, as you said, if you compare this to someone who's watching television and pauses every two minutes and said, did you see that, and talks about it, or sits and sort of, you know, narrates a movie for you while you're in the movie theatre, uh, it's the same kind of thing. It's a question of when do you speak and how do you speak and how can you help. So what are the pointers for game etiquette? Well, here I would generally... Uh, wait for your child to to seem stuck 
or to seem like they are or to have them ask for help. Right. Because and just to know you're there to help them when they are stuck is great. Um, but very often I will see people not even parents. Right. Uh, just often other gamers sort of backseat drive and tell someone what they should be doing for a kid. It's really important that they get to try all the different methods that they're thinking to solve a particular problem. And then if they need help, that they have a place to ask for it. So the main thing I would say is just don't jump in, even if you see the solution, mm -hmm. until they've sort of exhausted their options, right? And exhausted and, and gotten to experiment, gotten to try on their own. It's similar to reading a book, isn't it? Don't you know? Let let them wait. Wait till the point where they're uh, they've exhausted their own ability to work something out before speaking. Minecraft? Are they still nuts for Minecraft, the kids? So absolutely, Minecraft is going to be on my list. Uh, Minecraft is an excellent uh, game that's about self-expression, uh, much in the way that we used to. Uh, encourage children to to paint or do other things, just to finger paint. Uh, Minecraft is that, right? Um, and the other great thing about Minecraft, which I kind of want to talk about, is that games can both provide academic and non-academic opportunities for learning. And one of the academic opportunities for learning Minecraft, Minecraft requires research. To be able to do Minecraft well, your kid's going to have to go out and learn how, what all the recipes are to build the different types of machines and buildings they want to build. And to do that, they're using the exact same techniques that they're going to need to figure out why the Magna Carta was signed for their history paper, right? And you can, yeah. I, I was just going to say, as a parent, you can, you can convey that, right? When they, uh, after they've done this in Minecraft, then you can make the connection for them to something else. How much is too much for someone who's been there? I, I can always answer this myself. I've only got a minute left, James, um, because it, it comes back to the same thing, isn't it? It's, it's, is that engagement there? Are they remaining connected? Are they talking to you? Are they healthily connected to what's happening in the house and happening in the family, or are they disappearing on you? Uh, would that be the first indicator that, that, that there's too much and there's maybe an addiction issue emerging? Well, and I think that for every parent, it's up to them to decide what is too much. Uh, I think that in the same way that we wouldn't that it's rare that we would say a child reads too much, right? You can say the same thing about games so long as they're getting something from it, so long as it's providing them with uh, information that's going to last them a lifetime, sparking their ideas, perhaps even uh, bringing in a social circle that they're going to play with or that they're going to talk about these things with. Uh, and so I don't have a definitive too much, right? Just in the same way I don't think there is a definitive too much to any media it's really how it's affecting them, and that's for each parent to judge. So much fun talking to you. Thanks again, James Portnow, and you can see uh, this episode of Extra Credits that it's to do with playing games with your kids on our webpage, radionz.co.nz slash 9 to noon. Uh, I've actually found so many of his videos really, really informative. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 